welcome to Locksmith Talk with Loa. I'm your podcast host, William Link. Welcome to our Aloha 2021 Presidential Debate Podcast. In this episode, Noel Flynn and Bill Mandelbaum share their thoughts on Aloha, as well as tackle some difficult questions as they seek the position of president of Aloha. Our guests today include two industry luminaries, Noel Flynn and Bill Mandelbaum. Noel, how are you today? Excellent. Perfect. Good. And Bill, how are you? I'm doing good. Very good. Then we're ready to go. Well, during this Aloha 2021 presidential podcast debate, both guests will be asked the same questions and given about three minutes each to respond. Based on a roll of the dice beforehand, Bill Mandelbaum will go first, then Noel Flynn. The order of response will be alternated for each subsequent question. Now, normally I start each episode introducing that episode's guest, but today I figured we'd mix things up a trifle since this is a bit more than just an interview. Gentlemen, can you tell us about yourself, your qualifications, and your history in this industry, as well as with Aloha? Bill, please go first. Okay, I started in 1976 collecting old keys. My wife kept pushing me to learn something about what I was collecting. Shortly after that, I got my first lesson in the mail from the Locksmithing Institute because she had signed me up. I had no idea about it. Then it got out of hand. I worked a shop part-time on the weekends and evenings until 1981 when we moved to Bowling Green, Ohio. During a depression and jobs are scarce around here, so I tried working full-time as a locksmith. It worked out. Later, I added an employee. Later, half-time employees added. I now have one full-time and one half-time employee. We have a shop and mobile service. I joined Aloha in 1978 after joining the Oklahoma Master Locksmith Association in 77. I was active in the OMLA until we moved. In 1982, I joined the Penn, Ohio Locksmith Association and served many officers in that organization, including three two-year terms as president. I'm very proud of receiving the Loa Lifetime Achievement Award and the GPLA Lee Rogdon Award. I've served on the Aloha board for three terms and have lifetime memberships in Aloha and Pola. You might say I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bill, thank you. Noel, tell us about you. Well, my background in history is basically decades of senior management leadership roles in many industries and companies. The security industry, I was introduced about 30 years ago. I was recruited by MASCO to become vice president of international development for Wiser Lock, which at that time was one of the largest lock companies, but it gotten itself into trouble. So MASCO put together a six-person turnaround team and recruited me as part of that. My responsibility there was uh, basically profit and loss for all the companies outside of North America and sales and marketing responsibility for roughly 100 countries. I also was recruited into Unican, which was Aaron Fish's company, as vice president of sales and marketing, which later became Kaba Ilko. And then I was recruited by Asaboy for Medico as director of sales and marketing. And then later 
Asa Abloy formed a new retrofit security solutions group, and I was director of marketing for that group of companies. And finally, I was hired by security lock distributors as a consultant. I did that for a few years with uh, working on the Salesforce, the operations and strategic planning. And then uh, about 10 years ago, I joined the Aloha board at the request of Tom DeMont. Frankly, at that time, Aloha was a mess and Tom came in to try to straighten it out. Since then, I've become an ACE instructor. I've authored more than 20 business management sort of mini seminar type articles, which are published in Keynotes and Safe and Vault magazine. And I've been chairman of the audit and strategic planning committees, I still am. And more recently, last year, I became chairman of the steering committee, which was a new group formed to sort of guide Aloha through the pandemic minefield, you might say. So in the security industry, I've been in the manufacturing, wholesale distribution and consumer sectors. And my qualifications basically are that I'm a known entity, I'm degreed professional business manager, an officer, board director in for-profit and not-for-profit companies. I have a, a successful global leadership track working all over the world, inside and outside the industry. And uh, I have a decade of history serving a low on the board and the contributor and also as a leader. Thank you, Noel. Now, Aloha members will get to vote for their next president this May. Noel, tell us why you want to be the next president of Aloha. Noel? Well, Aloha faces some serious and even unprecedented challenges and threats. I believe I'm well qualified to lead. The survival is the first thing we've got to do, the recovery, and then the future. You know, I like, I like the people in the industry and Aloha serving on the board has sort of been my opportunity to give back. We have to remind ourselves that Aloha first and foremost is a business. In 2010, our survival was really at risk, largely because of mismanagement. The next nine or 10 years, we rebuilt our financial strength. I was a key team member of that effort. And 2020 again, 2020, here we go with the pandemic also, I think reinforced the point that we have to succeed as a business first. Mm -hmm. You know, we're a business, but Aloha is also a membership organization. And bottom line is we need to become more member centric. What that means is delivering better value to the members, what it's all about. We also have to work on enhancing the security professional image uh, especially outside the low in the industry with consumers. So to me, it's time to reinvent ourselves into what I call a low of 2.0. Uh, I played key management roles in large, mid-sized and, and smaller companies too. And, you know, we have more than 5,000 members. We're not, we're not that small. I've also owned several businesses. And I think that means I'm familiar with the entrepreneurial issues and challenges that are faced by many of our members. And so the combination of experience, education, training, 
I am familiar parity with Aloha. I, I think that makes me somewhat uniquely qualified. I've been there, done that in several companies and industries for that matter. I think an important point is this job is not about locks and safes. You know, with a full board of lock experts back in 2010, we, we nearly went belly up to remind ourselves of that. What this job is about is business management and leadership. Profits are what pay for services. And ultimately, if we don't profit, we don't survive. So most elected board members work hard, they're good people, but they don't necessarily have the right uh, skill sets and uh, experience here to take us where we need to go. I've repositioned many companies. Uh, I'm the right guy, I think the right time, good fit. Bring that, I can bring more value to all members. And uh, I think I'm well qualified to lead a lower survival, recovery, and chart our future. Very good. Bill? Uh, <clears throat> stopping to think about it and looking at, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> looking at the governance, it says you're not supposed to bring an agenda to a lower board. I really don't know anybody that's ever gotten on the board that has not brought an agenda with them. It may not be something weird, but my agenda was to try to make Aloha more member friendly. And I worked at this thing, getting, getting appointed to the bylaws committee, went through the bylaws, saw in the bylaws that, okay, the members could vote on officers. And that was it online. They had to show up at the annual meeting to be able to vote on anything else, which is for a lot of the smaller members was a real problem because <clears throat> they just couldn't leave their business long to make it. So I proposed, and the board was very generous in passing the bylaws amendments to allow voting by proxy. So that, okay, you could contact somebody, have them represent you at the meeting, or you could vote online on other things besides just the officers. And we haven't really pushed this except at the membership meeting much. And But the membership meeting, it helped out a lot. I haven't... I can think of only one organization I've belonged to that I haven't ended up as head of. <laughs> as, as, as I say, it's glutton for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> Chamber of Commerce, I did not end up, I was on the board, but I did not end up as president of. All the Masonic organizations I've been in, I've ended up as head of. Ended up as president three times of Penn, Ohio. I haven't had a chance at LSA or Ohio Valley yet. I'm active in them, but I haven't had a chance to get up to those yet. <laughs> There's it, time. Oh yeah, just just give me time, and I'll I'll be there eventually. But I just I think I agree with a lot of what Noel said. We do have a lot of problems and all, and our business is education. You got to remember that because that's the main thing we offer to the members that want hands-on education, and that's what they really want, from what I've heard from all of them. They don't learn well online. They'd like some online education, but they don't learn well that way, and I'd like to like to see us develop more of that if we could. Okay. Now, Bill, um, tell us your vision for Aloha. Since each term is two years, give us your two-year plan 
in the next three minutes, if elected, Aloha president. Now, Bill, let's start with you, please. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I would like to see the ambassadors used more. At the present time, any board member is an ambassador when they leave the board. The idea is use them as representatives of the local associations, therefore getting Aloha out in front of people that might not see us ordinarily would join. I'd like to figure out how to do this. I'd like to see it finally realized as it was planned, include, including the ambassadors and Mary's monthly newsletter describing what, how the staff is doing. When I used to hear that, I could go to the local associations and I could say, they could ask me, what's Aloha doing? Okay, this is what's going on right now. It wasn't really revealing anything like finance or anything like that, but I could at least tell them, okay, this is, this is where the planning is for the conventions. This is what's going on right now. And it, it, the members seem to appreciate that a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard for board members to get to all the association, meaning the areas regularly, but they're usually ambassadors that attend most of these meetings. I know trying to get right now, trying to get to uh, Penn, Ohio, over here in Ohio, it'd be a real chore getting over here from Eastern Coast. But I'm there every meeting. So I can, I can cover that. I could cover Ohio Valley. I could cover LSA. And you could cover LSA. Because mm -hmm. we're usually there at the meetings. Okay, last year we had, God, we had Zoom meetings all over the place last year. And I understand really? the board, lower board, also use Zoom meetings. Several of the organizations I belong to use them regularly. Among the locksmiths group, Polo and LSA in Detroit have used them, and they're still using them with in-person and Zoom at the same time. This allows those members that live a distance away to attend the meetings and keep active. I'd like to see the board, lower board meetings used the same way. I believe it would be a benefit to the members to be able to see the board in action. This would do away with many of the complaints about the secrecy of the discussions of the board. While they'd not be able to interact with the board, they could at least listen. They'd probably be bored to death, but they could see the board in action. That's it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Noel, your response for the vision? Well, as we recover and rebuild financially, uh, basically my vision for low is a couple of things. One, become more member-centric. You're going to hear me say that a lot. But it's got to be determined by the members. The members are the ones who determine whether they're getting value or not. And we've also got to do what we can to enhance the security professional's image. Uh, in two years, the big picture, it's really to enhance that what's called a value proposition. And that means offering the members and prospective members too, uh, basically more bang for the buck. Now, that sounds logical and maybe it sounds easy, but what does it really mean? Well, you know, with more than 5,000 members, there's a lot of different groups that make up our organization. And so we need to profile our membership. That word has a bad connotation lately, but it's an old marketing term. We need to really identify the different segments within our organization, the different sort of subgroups and better understand their priorities. Now we have divisions, that's, that's a good step, but that's not enough in terms of segmentation. In other words, uh, I'm an old marketing guy and we need to target the benefits using, you might say more of a rifle approach than a shotgun. One size does not fit all. I mean, I mean think about 
your own customer types and how they're different. They're, they're not all the same. What do, what do they value? Always, always we have to improve our internal communications. No doubt about it. We have to be effective in that area and that's an ongoing challenge. But we also have to be efficient because we don't have a ton of money. What we need is called a Marcom or Marketing Communications Initiative. Real marketing stuff. My opinion, we need a website that's more interactive and ideally an Aloha app. That's the way people communicate these days. If we want the young people to participate, we've got to communicate their way, not our way from the past. Targeted audiences and targeted messages and targeted delivery vehicles. That's how it works. We don't do that and we need to do it. We also need to take the board, which by the way, is a lot of good people working hard, but not necessarily working in a coordinated fashion. We need to get the board more results oriented, really fixed on getting things done. When you change your priorities, you know, you have to realign some of your resources. We have to make sure we're putting more of our precious funds where they're gonna do the most good. One of the things we will have to deal with probably in the next two years is figuring out what we do about Aloha headquarters. We just sold the building in Easy Street, which is a good move. We'll have to figure out what the future demands. And we have to at least begin to build Aloha's brand with consumers. Frankly, people outside the industry have no idea who we are. We don't have licensing like plumbers, electronic, electricians. That's one of the best ways to fight the scammers. Very good. After over 65 years of being in existence, do you feel Aloha has outlived its usefulness or not? Is the association serving its members appropriately? Noel, you touched on it a bit. Can you expand on that, please? My answer is no. Uh, Aloha definitely is still relevant. Now, we, we live in a world where the rate of change gets faster and faster. We all know that. And it isn't going to slow down. That's for sure. And when you introduce something as crazy as a pandemic, uh, you're definitely going to see some new normals. And as they like to say in the military, we've got to look at those changes and adapt and overcome. We can't be the same old, same old from the past. We need uh, a clear vision of a new direction, understand our role, and more importantly, have a clear definition of what success means. We have to strive to view this member-centric thing through the membership's eyes, not our eyes, even though we're members too. Uh, we have to acquire new members to replace old ones, and uh, we have to retain them. What's the point in getting them in if they don't stay? And we're pushing some unfavorable demographics, uh, retirement, death, wouldn't apply to us, but a lot of people in this industry and the world are, are America are getting older. So you must be earning the members loyalty every single day. But you know, the bottom line renewals at the end of the day are probably the most meaningful measure of our usefulness. And renewals, by the way, are very strong. Uh, I'm happy to report during the pandemic. I think that says a lot. And Let's remind ourselves what we are doing for our members. I'm just looking at a list here. Uh, educational programs, CEUs, online stuff, credentialing, archiving, keep a lot of records on this stuff, industry events, 
legislative efforts. We are still the industry's voice. We offer insurance options, find a locksmith service, weekly newsletters. Now we have two TechLink apps. We have award-winning magazines. They're very informative. And we have social media, which is very active and coming on stronger. You know, our Facebook and some of the other stuff really moving in the right direction. And we offer a website that provides access to tools and resources. So, you know, the answer to your question may depend on who you ask, uh, but the bottom line is renewals are strong. And I mean, when people are writing a check or putting it on their credit card to sign up again, I, I don't think there's any better indication of the fact that we must be doing something right. And of course, we should always uh, strive to improve. And so that's, that's how I feel. I don't feel Aloha has outlived its usefulness at all, but we can't, uh, we can't sit on our laurels either. You have to keep moving forward and make sure we have a successful future. Thank you, Noel. Uh, Bill, your thoughts on Aloha's usefulness? Uh, I believe Aloha is still very useful. <clears throat> our main product is education. And most locksmiths learn better with a hands-on approach. And that's basically what we offer with the classes and convention. Somehow it's just not the same seeing a product on a screen somewhere and being able to pick it up in your hand and take it apart and see what actually makes it tick. Mm -hmm. And we also have somebody up there, an instructor there in the class right there can tell you what you're doing wrong with it and all. Where online, sometimes that's really hard to do. I noticed the classes at the training center before COVID shut us down seemed to be making a nice profit and we're starting to pick up on attendance. So that was improving. So obviously people are taking advantage of that. For several years, people wanted online education and I hate to say it, but we tried to do that and tried to make a quality product out of it. And I think we actually over qualified it in doing it. Because of the COVID crisis, we had to put classes online, had to do it faster, and they, we got them out there, and they seemed to be working good. I was in Flake's uh, trade show last weekend, and the trade show seemed to go online real well. Look at the classes the week before that. I took several of those, and they all seemed to be real good. So the online education is actually working out, that, which is what the, they wanted. I agree that the law is presently really struggling, but all businesses are. COVID's kind of hurt everybody. And we got to remember Loa is a business. It's business education. And I really believe it, that we will come out of this stronger and better than we were. Thank you, Bill. Now, some members feel that Aloha's communication with them is lacking from the board to its members and from the Dallas staff to its members. They argue that they only get emails when they're being sold something or it's time for dues renewal. They claim no one is listening. So aside from the information put out in keynotes and in emails, how can this perception be changed? Bill, you're on a roll. Why don't you start with this one? Okay. Communication question is very interesting. I've been a member since 78. And in that time, I've heard many times law is only for big shops and they ignored the little guys. Sometimes I can believe this. There was a time, I believe it was true. However, I think that time is in the past. There was a time the average member could not get an answer to a question from the staff or board, no matter how hard you tried. 
When Mary became executive director, that changed. She'd been very supportive of the members for many years, even though the executive director over her kind of stifled her down some there because he didn't want interaction with members. And now is no exception. Most of the members I've talked to, they've called Dallas about a problem in the last eight years have told me that they were very satisfied with how the problem was handled. So apparently communication as far as the staff goes is starting to get much better than it ever has been. So many directors on the board over the years have been one or two man shops. This kind of goes around the idea of the good old boys club and only the big boys own Aloha there is all for their benefit. I think having a board meeting available on Zoom would allow many members to see what goes on. An extreme effort is put on in trying to make Aloha count for all its members, not just a few. Mm -hmm. I believe also in expanding the master's program, allow more members to ask questions on a personal face-to-face -face situation. Uh, some members complained about the board not answering questions. Uh, I have a problem with that. You have to go back and understand governance. And the president is supposed to answer all questions. This was started because some board members in the past gave their personal opinions were taken as board stance. Their major problem with this because their personal opinion was not what the board policy was. Mm -hmm. So that's why governor set in there so that only the president answered questions that were that way it had to come through him. Now anything comes out of Mary that she puts out to the general public, of course that can be discussed all they want to. But I think also if the if we had Zoom where they're sitting in the sitting in a room on their computer and Zoom where you could see what was going on, I think that would alleviate a lot of that thing of this this idea that everything is so secret and we'd never reveal anything because it's is absolutely keep it down so that nobody can find out what we're doing over there. Mm -hmm. That's okay. about it. Okay, thank you. Noel, your thoughts on communication? Well, <clears throat> I've been around a lot and communication is, is a universal challenge. You know, just uh, kind of think about it. Your spouses, your parents with the kids, owners, employees, governments, voters, even companies with big budgets struggle with this sort of thing. The members elect the board, so that's a good step, right? And the board members' contact information is uh, featured in the magazines and, and on the website. So nobody should have a problem reaching their board member that they elected. Aloha's Facebook page uh, and the other social media is coming on strong. Lots of people are getting more involved and that's ideal because it's two-way communication. And what people don't realize that Bill touched on it before, is staff feels a ton of questions, numerous requests, and lots of people are very satisfied with the way that's handled. You just don't hear people, uh, you know, voicing that kind of stuff as, as loudly. And Look, vague general communications complaint, they're sort of an easy target. You have to be a little careful. We're going to listen, but you want to be careful about listening to a few loud voices, uh, especially if some of them are malcontents, which uh, every industry, every group has some of those. Uh, we, to, get, to get meaningful solutions, you, you got to get into the weeds. You got to get into the specifics. Now, to be clear, uh, valid complaints obviously should never be ignored. And, and we shouldn't shoot the messenger either. But let's, let's get down to uh, specifics. More than a few of our members 
are not willing to provide email addresses or updates. And sometimes our emails get caught in junk folders. We provide the magazines in both digital and print, but we can't make people read them. And many times these questions are answered in those publications if somebody would read them. Uh, we do surveys from time to time. We get a small participation uh, response level, but that's, that's common. Uh, I've done a million surveys and that's pretty typical. So the law is not perfect when it comes to communication. Maybe never will be, but we, we, we should strive to do better. And uh, you gotta do better by being more proactive. Do you wanna really have a significant impact? I've done this before in other companies. You, you, gotta, you gotta do a completely new approach. And you gotta resource that approach. It's what's called uh, marketing communications or MARCOM is what marketing people call it. That, that's an effort to engage the members, not just communicate. But you know we have limited resources and we need to continue building social media. That's very efficient. And we need to have a more interactive website, which we don't. And, and frankly, we need more tools that will allow us to track and measure the, the usage and the feedback. And those tools cost money, but there's a monetizing opportunity there, monetization. Uh, so we need the targeted Marcom opportunity and we must profile the members in order to get that. And we need to develop a LOA app and most members have no idea what it takes to uh, run a LOA. And our culture, we need to continue providing value and make sure that members know about it. We don't always do a great job of letting them know. And I, I think that's my feeling on communication. Good. Some good ideas from both of you. Thank you. Uh, today, you know, we live in a society that demands transparency. You know, many Aloha members in the past have felt the board directors reside on Mount Olympus and the Dallas staff in their ivory tower as they have lost touch with its membership. These members feel that information is kept secret and sharing is not desired. Now, how will you help to mitigate this perception and promote an association that supports transparency? Noel, let's start with you. Many... Aloha members feel. Uh, this sort of reminds me a little bit of when the press tells us that anonymous sources tell us blah, 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 blah. It, it's kind of hard to measure transparency. It's, uh, it's almost like chasing shadows. And, and vague generalities, again, from anonymous sources, that doesn't do much for you. If, if you want real solutions, you've got to get into the specifics and determine which things are valid and which are not. We do have independent auditors, we pay for that, and uh, our financial statements are published. So there's no secret there. If uh, people look at it, they can see all the numbers. In, in 2020, uh, we held our annual meeting virtually on a Saturday using Zoom. Uh, that wasn't ideal, but on the other hand, you could argue that was a great opportunity for all the people who didn't have to travel and always wanted to participate, but couldn't. Sadly, if you remove staff and the board, you had about 30 people participate, 30 people. Now, how much influence did we have from the pandemic? I don't know, but you could argue that people could participate from home as Bill alluded to earlier. Probably never was easier to participate and we got 30 people. 
I've been on the board for 10 years and uh, I could count on one hand the number of members who ever attended. They, all board meetings are open to our members, but hasn't been much interest. The board meeting minutes are supposed to be on Loa's website. And, uh, but the truth is few people actually bother to read them. This whole thing is, a lot of it is perception when it comes to transparency. I can tell you this, I've been on lots of boards, for-profit boards, not-for-profit boards all, all over the world. Aloha strives to be very transparent. Uh, there's sometimes when we need appropriate confidentiality, but uh, I'm in a position to know how much, it's a relative term. I think we do a good job trying to be uh, transparent. The board members are elected, that's part of it. And I still want to repeat, we need a new website to basically keep people informed and we need an app. I'm going to keep driving that point home to uh, have a delivery system that makes sense in today's world and tomorrow's world. Uh, you know, being on the board is pretty much a thankless job. We need to remind ourselves that it's tough to get people who are willing to give up their time for no pay. Amen. So we need to be... <laughs> It can be part of the solution and, and avoid contributing to the uh, fake news. But you have a question, inquire. Uh, you'll get an answer. Thank you. Bill, your thoughts on transparency? Uh, as, as I said before, I think we need to have the members be able to see the board in action because a, a lot of members don't understand what the board is doing. As they say, as you said earlier, they think they sit on Mount Olympus and just make decisions up there. And yet there's a lot of input that goes into those decisions that the people don't, that the regular members don't see. Right. I, I think, think that they actually saw what was going on in there, even, even a half an hour watching the board in action. It changed their whole perception of what the board was there. Because all, all of the board members that I've ever talked to are people that gave up a lot of time. They go into, a lot of people have the perception you go into the board, you actually make money. I've never seen a board member that hasn't spent his own money on doing it. Right. You never get exact, get all the money that you put into it out of it. You give it your time, effort, money, everything into being on that board. And I just think that if we had more people could actually see what the board was doing, we would not have that perception that, okay, they, they're on Mount Olympus and they don't talk to us or anything. I've had, when I was a board member for Northeast, I had a fair amount of people call me to ask questions and they'd call on the phone. I'd talk to them. If I was busy with another job, I said, can I call you back in about 15 minutes? I'd call them back. I never put them off and consequently I could talk to them. They didn't mind asking me questions and things. So for, for the time I was on, we had transparency as least as far as the Northeast went. Most of the members I talked to said, no, no, it's, it's fine. You know, we, we understand we run our own business. And if you're busy right that minute, as long as you call us back, I just have a question that I'd like to have answered. I think that's what we need to do is just more of that. Mm -hmm. Now, some have noticed a, a degree of apathy among members from non-renewals, diminished volunteerism to the lack of voting participation. 
Aside from the far-fetched notion that everyone should run for the board to be heard and to contribute, what can be done to stimulate Aloha's membership, its need to be involved, and renew its sense of camaraderie and solidarity? Uh, Noel, what do you think? Well, there's, there's always a degree, as you say in the question, in, in our society. And, and therefore, of course, a lower too. No, no surprise there. It's another one of these areas that's uh, hard to measure, and, and we don't have any data, so uh, very difficult. But let's let's stop and think about apathy for a minute. Uh, worldwide pandemic, economic collapse, mm -hmm. masks, not for Halloween, lockdown, Zoom, and the number of deaths featured every night on the TV. All our events canceled. That's the centerpiece of our camaraderie, are our events. Significant financial hits, magazines going digital only, big staff reductions. We've been in survival mode, not just Aloha, but lots of our members too. Right. Everyone is feeling more disconnected than ever from life. Apathy, of course. To me, this is the worst possible time imaginable to try and gauge the level of member apathy. Membership renewals are strong in spite of the pandemic. Once again, that's the bottom line. Strong renewals. We're on a piece to equal to last year. So I think that's the ultimate vote of confidence and how we have to judge the level of apathy. You know, think back over the years, the decades, major industry consolidations have happened. This is not the same industry as it was uh, decades ago. Most legacy Aloha chapters have largely evaporated. There, there's a few left, but most are gone. The members uh, elect the board. And uh, as I said earlier, it's tough to get volunteers. So we're much more optimistic now that things are settling down. We are hopeful of being able to renew our annual events and uh, looking forward to convention in Orlando at the end of the July. Everybody should mark that time on their calendar. As obviously as the pandemic, <clears throat> excuse me, fades away, membership interest will expand and improve. We, we have to keep working on that value proposition and our communications and we have to drive engagement. So the key to apathy is, aside from the pandemic, which is an outlier, shouldn't use that as a gauge, gotta be more proactive and interactive. And yeah. then we can at least minimize, maybe not ever eliminate, but you can minimize apathy, that's for sure. Good. Bill, what say you? Bill Mandelbaum? Uh, I actually see the membership starting to come back. We lost a lot of members a number of years ago in the misunderstanding about credentials. Because some of the former members received the idea if they did not earn a PRP standing, they'd be kicked out. So instead of waiting to be kicked out, they just did not renew their membership the next year. Right. We lost a bunch of members over that misunderstanding. That never happened. They never, never would have been kicked out, but they thought they would be. Another problem with communication there. Staff is always looking for ways to give members more benefits. 
for years, the members wanted health insurance. Problem was, by federal guidelines, we're not allowed to give health insurance across state lines. So if you got health insurance in Texas, you couldn't use it in Oklahoma and vice versa. That's changed now, and the members have been offered insurance through the lower membership. We had a program for members to buy vehicles at a reduced rate. Manufacturers stopped it because there was not there was a lack of participation in it. The members did, didn't want it, but the staff tried, arranged it and tried to make it work because they thought the members would do look at it as a member benefit. Even with the flu crisis on us, many members have seen the benefit of belonging to LOA and not dropped their membership. Last figures I saw from Kevin said there are only 38 members who did not renew this year, counting those, not counting those who died. Wow. The staff is working real hard to keep any of us from dying, but <laughs> you know how that goes. <laughs> We're gonna, if you're going to die, you're going to die anyway, and Mary can't stop you, even yeah. though she'd like to. Okay. Our, and they talk about our dues. Our dues are actually low. All you have to do is compare it to any teacher's dues or union dues. Most of them get nothing but representation out of it and pay much higher dues than we do a year. And we get a magazine out of it, plus the other benefits. It's been said you get exactly what you put in the organization out of it. What have I gotten out of Aloha? I personally have made many good friends over the years and taken many classes that have made me a lot of money. I've never taken a class yet that I've not learned something in. Even if I took it five or six times, I still learned something in it. And I think our members realize that, and that's why they're still joining and still still supporting us. Right. Well, Noel, Noel uh, Bill has just touched on, again, the value of joining an association. Everybody wants value for their money, for their dues. Um, do you have any plans to increase membership or reinforce this value for every member? Bill shared some thoughts. Noel, what do you think? Well, I think the truth is that uh, if you participate more fully in our sponsored activities, as a member, you can offset a bunch of your dues. In some cases, you could even cover uh, completely offset your dues. And, and that means participating in our events, our education, our technical stuff, our magazines, which are very informative. You can learn there. And as Bill said, you can make money just by what you learn. Certifications and access our resources. They all have money, but you got to access it. We, we do have the strong membership renewals. That's a good gauge of how people feel about what's called the, the dues cost-benefit profile or ratio, as they call it. You know, value has different meaning to different segments. Uh, may not be a great example, but we could do the best automotive class in the world. And that's good, but you know, it's only gonna help you if you're servicing cars. So um, we, we have access to professional research about organizations and uh, we're not alone. The top challenges of virtually every organization are recruiting and demonstrating value. And of course, those two things are linked. So Loa is right in there with everybody else. We, we have to do a formal membership segmentation. Uh, Got to do it. We have to be able to target market and our communications and our value. 
got to use that rifle again, not the shotgun. And think about it. You know, a fisherman uses specific types of bait. Why? Why isn't it just one? Well, I think the answer is obvious. And it's the same with our membership composition. You know, hospitals and schools both want security, but they have different priorities and needs. So you got to understand that if you're going to go sell them to these people. This idea of Marcom is somewhat foreign to a lot of board members. It's uh, you really have little or no experience doing these kinds of things, and that needs to change. And we need to be also able to fund uh, such such efforts. Uh, I've been a professional marketing guy way back uh, in the day. Uh, I had. $25 million to spend on television alone. So uh, I've, I've been in that world and, and I can offer some relevant experience here. I, I've done a lot of uh, financial consulting for Aloha and uh, I can also do some marketing consulting. Our research confirms pretty clear. Personal visits, Bill touched on that earlier. The website and more and more social media, these are the most effective recruiting tools. The pandemic, of course, has limited uh, what we can do here. And we need this proactive website and we need the Aloha app. And we can monetize these things and make them pay or at least offset some of the costs. So we got to continue with this value proposition uh, for each member segment. Very good. Thank you. I guess we, we've covered a lot of topics here. So if for our listeners, if we can sort of summarize by answering this question, what is the single most pressing issue or problem with Aloha and how would you fix it? Uh, let's start with Bill on that one first. I would say our most pressing issue seems to be communication. We discussed this quite a bit so far in this program. Ten years ago, Aloha was on the verge of bankruptcy. Very few members knew this. I mean, we were standing on the edge of the cliff by our heels with our toes hanging off. It was just hmm. a tiny push and we would have been gone. The board changed a lot of things. And before the virus crisis hit, we were on, starting to get on very solid footing. Instead of spending last year's money a year in advance, we had almost a year's worth of money stuck in the bank still. We could weather something like this a little bit. And as Noel has said to the board for many years, we're about one bad convention away from being back to where we were. Well, we've had three bad conventions now. Loa did not have Loa convention, two SAFTA conventions that had to been canceled. Right. This is something we really need to work on, but we need to communicate this to the members so that they understand exactly what the problem is. And I think if we use the ambassadors and the staff the way I would like to see them used, I think we'll see a lot of communication problems we see around Aloha go away, or at least get down. They won't completely go away, but they'll get down to a much lower level. I think we still need to increase our savings so that any future problems pop up that we can get around that. That's about it. Thank you. Noel, your thoughts? Oh. I like to think of these things uh, basically two ways. Short term, it's all about survival. And, and then of course, gradually restoring our profit for 2021 and beyond. Easy Street, our headquarters properties are sold 
and uh, that'll ensure our survival in a big way and, and avoids a lot of waste. But we've got to secure, you know, our revenue streams. We've got to get back to our events, which are extremely important to us. And we've got to resume our education. Uh, we need to look and, and identify the post-pandemic changes that are coming our way, some of which are not clear yet, and, and what the implications of those changes might be. And then once we identify those, we, we need to implement appropriate, you know, necessary changes uh, accordingly. Now, while we're doing that, that's the now. We, we need to be thinking also longer term, and we need to begin by charting a new course to becoming this more member-centric organization that I spoke about many times. That means really rethinking our purpose and uh, establish our priorities correctly and then go about doing the enhancement of value. That's, that's a reinvention, that's a reconfiguration for tomorrow, for the next 10 or 20 years. We need to obviously continue driving down our overhead and, and that frees up investment funds and uh, rechannel the resources to where they're going to do the most good. We need to, you hear me say it again, design and implement this Marcom initiative that would take care of a whole lot of stuff and make sure that we get the board more results oriented. Again, good people working hard. We've got to bring it together so that we get results that are meaningful. You know, Nobody wants a pandemic. I mean, it's done a lot of damage to a lot of people and businesses, but these kinds of things can be a two-edged sword. This pandemic, you know, in a way can sort of be an opportunity to re-examine all aspects of Aloha. That's what good companies do. They keep checking themselves out like a lock, make sure everything is going to work, make sure they make the changes that are necessary. It can, it can sort of be uh, a catalyst for what's called directional change. And, and some of that, frankly, we need it anyway. This may be what gets us going. So in a nutshell, uh, the pressing issues are we, we need we need to fight a sort of a two-theater war, short-term, get on the financial survival and into the recovery, uh, continue bringing down our costs, secure and, and rebuild our revenue streams and, and make sure we have profits to fund our future. And long term, we need to reinvent the organization to become more uh, member centric. You can allow the later foundation for that, why I keep calling 2.0, and make sure we understand the difference between participation versus leadership. In 20, the 10 years from 2010, uh, I was a key member of leading the recovery of Aloha. I led the charge in 2020 for our survival, and I'm still leading the charge as chairman of the steering committee into 2021 and beyond. So I think I can make it happen. Gentlemen, as we close out this episode, I wanna give you each an opportunity to stump for yourselves. So in essence, why should an Aloha member cast their vote for you? And is there anything else you'd like to add to our conversation? Bill, we'll let you go first and we'll finish with Noel. Go ahead, Bill. Uh, I really like the chance to try to improve Aloha more than it has. I feel like I got some things I got when I left the board or some things I really needed to do more of. Some of the things I accomplished, I accomplished without really trying. 
I noticed when I got on the board, first convention I went to as a board member, the board members worked their two hours in the store, and that was it. You really didn't see them much around there. I spent my spare time actually volunteering with the staff, running errands, delivering things, stuff like that. I noticed over time that more and more of the directors were doing that. They were coming in and helping out the staff around there, and they were they were seen. People saw them around the thing. They didn't, didn't just see them in the store for two hours during the convention. That was it. I think that was a good thing, and I, I really didn't think about doing it, but I noticed it did happen. That's about it. Okay. Noel? Well, the law of faith is plenty of legacy and some unprecedented challenges. We have to make sure we survive and then recover and then rebuild financially. Uh, that's the job. We must reinvent ourselves to make that happen and become this more member-centric organization that I talked about. We have to chart the new course and focus on our priorities and, and realign some of our resources. You know, the magnitude of the change, this is not business as usual. This requires a capable champion, someone who has experience being a change agent. Uh, as far as my qualifications, I think I have a demonstrated ability. I've managed directional change and, and achieved results in many companies and industries. I'm uh, a degreed professional business manager with a global track record of leadership and, and success. I have decades in the security and door hardware industry. I have, I think the relevant education training and small business ownership experience that makes a difference here. And, and I'm intimately familiar with Lois challenges having been on the board for the last 10 years. So the fit, I think the fit is a good one for the task at hand. I've donated time to Lois financial recovery and success uh, over the past 10 years as a board member. Uh, I've led the steering committee and still doing it to make sure Aloha survives. I have uh, a solid track record both in the industry and, and with Aloha. And if, if some members don't know who I am, ask around, especially ask the industry leaders. But I will make this point, if you're looking for a caretaker, caretaker, you know, same old, same old kind of stuff. I'm not your guy. I'm planning to uh, take this Aloha to a new level if elected president. So in summary, I think I'm well qualified to shape our bright future as president. I have a proven track record in Aloha and elsewhere. And I'm asking for our members to vote for me so that I can play a more prominent role and I'm ready to lead in Aloha's rebirth, which I'm calling 2.0 during some really unprecedented times. And uh, you know, Bill and I share a lot of concern about Aloha and its future. We both invested a lot of personal time and uh, we're gonna, one way or the other, we're gonna do whatever we can to make it better. Well, obviously we have two very dedicated guys here both with slightly different styles, but both with excellent ideas. Uh, and I, I really want to thank you for sharing your time with our listeners. And of course, as they say, 
May the best man win. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Locksmith Talk with Aloha. As your podcast host, William Link, until next time, stay well.